Section 10 of The Catholic's Ready Answer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Catholic's Ready Answer by Reverend M. P. Hill. Section 10. The Blessed Virgin. Objections. To a non-Catholic, devotion to the Virgin Mary seems to be given a very undue prominence in a Catholic worship. Witness the Feasts of Mary and the frequent devotions to Mary. Besides, there is little or nothing to distinguish this homage from a real worship of one of God's creatures. The answer. The Catholic Church, as seen from the outside, does, perhaps very naturally, present to non-Catholics what seem to be objectionable features, such as the one complained of above, but not always after careful and honest inquiry. The Catholic religion, to borrow a comparison from Cardinal Wiseman, which we have used elsewhere, sometimes produces on outside observers the effect which a stained glass window produces on a passerby on the street in the daytime. The forms represented on the window are distorted, and the picture is unintelligible, and in the same manner the forms and proportions of things within the Catholic Church produce a false impression on those who see things from without. Within the fold of the Church, the impression is altogether different, as innumerable converts can testify. The truth is that devotion to Mary, however prominent in the services of the Church, plays an essentially subordinate part in the entire system of Catholic devotion, and what is more to the purpose, it is an essentially different thing from the worship paid to God. God, as being the supreme Lord of the universe, is adored. Mary is only venerated, not adored or worshipped, as the mother of the Son of God made man. Mary is prayed to, but only as the most powerful intercessor before the throne of God. Between the worship of God and the veneration of Mary, there is a gulf as wide as the one between God and his creatures, between the infinite and the finite. And yet, God himself has deigned to associate Mary so intimately with himself in the work of the redemption that no Christian can realise what is told us in the Gospels without giving a prominence in his thoughts to the human instrument employed by the Almighty for the accomplishment of his designs. Think of the essential dignity of the Mother of the Incarnate Word. Think of the praises lavished upon her by the inspired voices of angels and men. Hail, full of grace, or, if you will, hail, thou who art so highly favoured. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. These are the words of the angel Gabriel, who added, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Most High shall overshadow thee. And therefore also the Holy One that shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Luke chapter 1 verses 28 to 35 And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the infant leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord 
should come to me. Luke chapter 1, verses 41 to 43. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Saviour, because he hath regarded the lowliness of his handmaid. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. Luke chapter 1 verses 46 to 48. Such is the greatness of Mary as reflected in the narrative of the inspired writer. When angels and saints unite in sounding the praises of Mary, the Church of God cannot be silent. The recognition of her dignity and of her personal merits was one of the most prominent features of the devotion of the early Church. The Roman catacombs, in which the first Christians took refuge from the violence of their persecutors, exhibit even today unmistakable evidence of early devotion to the Blessed Virgin. Visitors to the catacombs may see her represented on the walls of those underground chambers just as she is represented in Catholic churches of our time, and that these pictures illustrate a devotion that was universal among the Christians of the first centuries is attested by the extant writings of the period. Open the works of the Fathers and testimonies multiply as you turn the pages. The writings of St. Irenaeus, St. Gregory Nazianzen, St. Gregory of Nyssa, St. Ephraim, Cyrus, St. Augustine, St. Jerome, St. Peter Chrysologus, St. Proclus, St. Basil of Seleucia, contain passages relating to Mary that are worded like any typical passages that may be taken from Catholic writings of our own day. Through her, says St. Proclus, all women are blessed. Eve is healed. Mary is venerated as becomes the mother, the handmaid, the cloud, the bride's chamber, the ark of the Lord. Therefore we say, Blessed art thou amongst women, who alone hast found a remedy for Eve's sorrow, hast alone wiped away the tears of that mourner, hast carried the price of the world's redemption, hast received the treasure of the pearl in trust. And St. Ambrose, let the virginity and life of the Blessed Mary be drawn before you as in a picture, from whom, as if in a mirror, is reflected the face of chastity and virtue's figure. In the learning, the prime stimulus is to be found in the nobleness of the teacher. Now, what is more nobleness than God's mother? Not only praise and veneration were bestowed on Mary by the fathers, they also invoked her intercession. One among several instances is found in the sacramentary of Pope Galatius. We beseech thee, O Almighty God, that the glorious intercession of the blessed and ever-glorious Virgin Mary, Mother of God, may protect us and bring us to eternal life. This was the doctrine and practice of an age which our separated brethren generally regard as an age of pure worship. The Blessed Virgin is honoured as the most highly favoured of God's creatures, but only as such. She is prayed to only as one who can pray for us. This, which is the genuine Catholic doctrine, is taught in all our children's catechisms. 
If, in Catholic devotions, there occur any expressions that seem to non-Catholics to attribute to Mary anything more than intercessory power, these expressions are very rare, and are never intended to mean more than that she obtains from God everything she asks. Catholics do not ordinarily pray as though they were conscious of the presence of hostile critics, but they have no doubt about the meaning of their own words. Some of our popular treatises on the Blessed Virgin are no less unpalatable to Protestant tastes, and naturally so, for Protestants do not realise, as Catholics do, the unspeakable dignity of one who was made the mother of the Word incarnate. Nor do they appreciate, as Catholics do, what it is to have so great a friend at court as the mother of the glorified Jesus. Though at the same time it should be borne in mind that in all devotions, apart from the direct worship of God, even Catholics have their personal tastes. While they all agree that God's saints should be honoured, they have their personal attractions and repugnances as regards particular ways of honouring them and praying to them. Objection. Devotion to the Blessed Virgin may be reasonable enough when practised in moderation, but in Catholic practice it obtrudes itself everywhere. The more devotion to Mary, the less devotion to her son. Answer. Again, our objector sees the stained glass windows from the wrong side. He may have dropped into a Catholic church in the evening and heard the sodality singing the Litany of the Blessed Virgin or the preacher descanting on one of her virtues, a most Christian act. But let him get up in the morning earlier than usual and betake himself to the nearest parish church any day in the week. There he will find a number of silent worshippers absorbed in something that is taking place at the altar. At the ringing of a little bell, the silence is solemn and all heads are bowed in adoration. Some minutes later, a number of persons approach the altar rail to receive the bread of heaven. Here is the central act of Catholic worship, in comparison with which all things else are insignificant. Or rather, it is through this that all things else have any value. The weekday scene just described is repeated on Sunday, only with more solemnity. On that day, the churches are thronged and are filled again and again in successive hours, whilst the churches of other denominations are often half empty. Evidently, devotion to the Blessed Virgin does not draw us away from Christ. Strange that the very church that is accused of worshipping the creature instead of the Creator should be distinguished among all churches for its adherence to the central doctrine of Christianity, the divinity of Christ. In an age when Protestantism is losing its grasp of that truth, if not in its formularies, at least in the sincere belief of many Protestants, including ministers, the Catholic Church not only believes it and teaches it with uncompromising fidelity, but gives the most solemn expression to its belief in its public worship. What can compare with the external splendour or the intensity of personal devotion associated with the great feasts commemorating the mysteries of our Lord's life, his birth, his passion, his resurrection? Holy Week has a meaning in the Catholic Church. It has little or no meaning elsewhere. Evidently, again, devotion to the Blessed Virgin does not draw us away from Christ. 
But its effect in this regard is not merely negative, it positively draws us nearer to Christ. The feasts of the Blessed Virgin mark a general increase of fervour. The faithful are present at the holy sacrifice of the Mass, and very many receive communion after confessing their sins with humble and sincere contrition. Innumerable converts to the Church, who now see the Church from within, know from experience that true and sincere worship of God is promoted by devotion to the Mother of the Incarnate Son of God. End of section 10